Welcome to The Mortgage Life, a space for down-to-earth conversations about how mortgages contribute to your life. Well, that sounds canned and maybe a little boring. What? There are so many parts to the mortgage industry and real estate finance we can explore and share with our listeners. Okay, you're right. You're right, Mindy. Our goal is to help secure our clients' financial future. I'm Pete Salamosi. I'm Mindy Bodwin. And I'm Sue Salamosi. We're your hosts. Welcome to The Mortgage Life. Welcome to The Mortgage Life. (laughs) Ooh, I just wrote a new song. (laughs) So welcome, welcome to The Mortgage Life podcast. We have spent the past two years developing this podcast and producing episodes. We've produced 62 episodes over the course of two years. And now we have this library of information that we can provide to our clients. Clients, general public, anybody interested in how the mortgage process works in Canada. And you know what, even in the US, because we interviewed a US broker too. So much info. Right. And that that applies to all the people that are in the periphery of our industry as well. So that's lawyers, realtors, accountants, financial planners, the list goes on and on. But all these things are filtering into this library. So if you've got questions about any part of that mortgage process, have a look and as we like to say, have a listen. (laughs) So if you're landing on this episode, you'll see that we are pausing for a little bit. We're not producing any new episodes for the foreseeable future um, because after looking at our library, we've realized that we've kind of covered it all. Yeah, up to this point, we've talked to all the experts that could be part of a transaction or part of a home. We talked to experts on our rate announcements, economists, professors. So at this point, we kind of feel we're, we're good, we're there, we have our library, but there are some episodes that we recorded where already there's been massive changes to that particular topic, for example, short-term rentals. So stay tuned because in the future, we are going to be re-recording and perhaps there'll be new topics to come up with. It just didn't make sense to just kind of reinvent the wheel, right? Yeah, and we've we've tried to make a lot of these episodes timeless so that you can go back and listen to them and they're still relevant to that mortgage process. Like Mindy said, the one thing that has really changed in the last little bit is those short-term rentals. So gosh darn it government, why did you have to change? <laughs> it was a good I think episode. there's a lot of things that have changed. I mean, this industry is extremely dynamic. But by us keeping our episodes a little bit more timeless, less timestamp, more general information, it's given us a really great tool to be able to, you know, like, hey, you've got questions about property taxes. Go back to episode 10. We talked about property tax season in British Columbia and what that means and and how to approach it. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually chatting with my mother-in-law and surprise, surprise, she was trying to figure out what to do with her mortgage on renewal. She's thinking about buying it out. And she said that she took the time and referenced quite a few of our episodes and took notes. And I was so happy because that's exactly the purpose here is to have a library of information. For sure. 
So I listened to our very first episode that we recorded. I think we all three of us did. But in that episode, we did a general introduction of who we each are as mortgage brokers. It's not commonplace, I don't think, for three individually licensed brokers to kind of team up and work together as a team. It's something that we've done. And it's it's been great. We each kind of have our own specialties. And I think for me going forward, you know, that's this growth phase for me. So if we take off the sort of weekly or biweekly podcast recording, then what are we going to do with our extra time? And and that's going to be sort of really working on that team aspect. Yeah, sure. fine-tuning a little further our own contributions to the team. How I see myself contributing to the team is I'm more I'm more focused on the consultation process, looking at the client and figuring out where they fit, which lender based on you know, the, the income qualification and what documents they have and how do we put those puzzle pieces together? That's where I shine is, is really building puzzles. Yeah. And for me, in the last couple of years, as we've been doing the podcast, I don't know how it's happened. I think it's just the universe has said, this is where I need to go. But uh, I've done a lot more commercial business. And that means more in-depth dives into business plans. It means looking at the potential for someone, instead of leasing a place, buying their own space. And a lot of times it, it makes good business sense. And so if you've got questions on that commercial side, maybe just pose it to your broker. Like there's, there's a lot of opportunities out there on that business and commercial side that are definitely worth exploring. If you go back to episode 40, where we interviewed the CEO of the DLC group of companies, Gary Morris, he's he talks about how right now that commercial space is starting to pick up and grow, and he's seeing a lot of potential there. Yeah, it's interesting. When I became a mortgage broker, my career up to that point was working for a real estate developer and commercial real estate buyer, essentially. Their mandate was just to purchase all kinds of commercial real estate so coming into the broker space, I had always assumed that that's where I would go. But typically, to be a commercial broker, you're in a busier center like Vancouver or Calgary, say. But it's true. I've seen it. Like Pete has very organically grown this commercial base. It's almost like if you build it, they will come. So this is interesting. And then now we're kind of looking at the Yukon as well. That's where I come from. Being up there, doing business up there, it was really difficult to get financing. So this is just all new, exciting paths, right? And that's, for me, the most exciting thing about this industry is the newness. It's constantly evolving. You're constantly learning. It's I'm constantly being challenged. I'm always on my toes. I'm going into my 13th year now. Like it's it's just, I can't think of anything else I've ever done in my life that has sustained my attention for this long, except for buying real estate. But, you know, that's not an everyday thing. So, <laughs> Well, and, and one of the things we talked about as well that, that we've started to kind of look at, and, and for me, it's kind of been part of, of that commercial side of things, is looking at uh, purpose-built rentals and either individuals that are building these or, or buying them or even nonprofit organizations that are starting to develop these purpose-built rentals because we've realized, and, and it's maybe, again, it's another organic thing, but it's started to become a thing where maybe people can't necessarily afford to buy their first home just yet, but they need some place to be. So those rentals are, are becoming actually a, a big part of that planning process. And it's a long process to get into, but at the same time, 
it's also kind of an exciting commercial side. Purpose-built rental. So those are properties that are built specifically to be designated as rental properties and typically have controlled rent or what? It, what? It, what's the they term? They can be. Yeah. Yeah, they, they can be rent controlled or they can be uh, sub-market rental housing. There's a number of ways. Like if you think about these, this would be like your typical apartment block. So on a big city, you might actually see a fairly large apartment building. It could be multi-level, but definitely you'd have 40 plus units in a particular building. And it's those kind of buildings that you can produce, at least in on the construction side, you can produce them at a, a decent cost where the rental can be perhaps not quite as high as like an individual house or a basement suite. And this goes to our rent versus buy episode, which I don't know the number on, Sue, but I know <laughs> you mentioned that one Yeah, quite yeah. often. Uh, rent versus buy was episode 11. Mm-hmm. And definitely one of those. Yeah, that we will be re-recording because this is another aspect of our industry that's changing quite quickly. It's, it's becoming more economical to build rental building than perhaps a, a for sale condo building, which hasn't been the case for what since the 70s, I think. There are a lot of those like in downtown Kelowna were actually built. Those rental buildings were built in the 70s. Yep. It's a very interesting position to be in as a mortgage broker. You know, we've looked at this for a long time going like, if we can't help people who are in the rental market as a mortgage broker, where we are helping people with mortgages. But if we look at from it, look at it from a commercial perspective, there are people that are building properties to be rented. And that kind of shifts, it shifts the perspective on rental housing. For us, even as mortgage brokers, it shifts the perspective like buying isn't the end game necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think to me, where this big shift has come from is that the governments, whether it's provincial, local, so municipal or federal, are all starting to chip in and they're incentivizing the construction of these units because they realize that there's a big demand for housing and some people just can't afford to get into purchasing a home. So let's start building these places that people can rent. And we've talked about that demand for housing with immigration, people coming into Canada. There's just not enough houses for people that are here. Mm -hmm. Well, and a recent policy change was curbing the capacity for international students, right? That, you know, because they need housing when they're here. And I think the federal government is realizing, yikes, we actually can't house all these folks, unfortunately. Well, so you, I mean, the, would, I, I would assume the onus would be on a university if they're bringing in international students to provide residential or whatever dormitory housing on the university campus. But then what happens when they graduate, right? They want to stay here. So many international students, though, actually buy condos in the area or live in rental accommodation because mm-hmm. universities' residences are, are quite small. Yeah, they uh, are. That's true. You know, so if you have no mandate... And you're not logging those that population base as being residents of Canada. They're just kind of in and out. But while they're here, they need housing, right? So this is one of those pieces of the formula that didn't quite add up. So here we are, <laughs> The Mortgage Life. Welcome to The Mortgage Life. We're putting a pause on producing new episodes just for a little while while we catch our breaths, while we reevaluate and look back on our library to see what needs to be recorded, what needs to be updated. But in the meantime, go check it out. Go back and listen to some of those timeless episodes that may answer some of the questions that you have. 
Yes, use use the database. It's all there. Exactly. And if you found that you you got at least something out of it, so a little gem, something that you found useful in your day-to-day life, send it to someone who you think could actually benefit from it. So share the episode. It's easy. You just click the little box with the arrow up. Send that off to one of your friends. Send it off to a colleague because we've found that a lot of people just really get good value out of this. So send it off, like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. And come back yes, and stay, t- <laughs> stay tuned for the unknown. This is The Mortgage Life. We look forward to continuing the conversation. So come back and listen.